Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Luke, and welcome to Terra Nutra's new podcast series. Where we're going to be discussing all things sustainability and carbon footprint. Hello, and welcome to our fourth podcast. Um, I'm joined today by Luke and John. Hi, Luke. Hi, Charlotte. And hi, John. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So we are discussing the carbon footprint of travel today. So Luke, you have already talked about your, is it what, 31,000 miles? No, what no, is 31, it? No, 31,000 would be great. 31,000 <laughs> would be, would be, I would be fine Ooh. with that. I it's was kind of thinking th- I can't possibly go higher. 313,000. Okay. I've rounded your up. Your air miles. We I've rounded actually, up, we actually haven't said what it was. Your air miles. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. we, and that was kind of one of the triggers for you to start doing this, um, to, doing Terra Nutra. So it's probably a really good place to start. Um, so do you want to talk about that a bit more? Yeah, I, I'm, it, it was, it was one of my triggers. Um, I think that, I think that air travel is from an emissions perspective is, is probably the thing that everybody knows is very very bad, um, and sorry, using really sort of simplistic language, but it, it's it, you know there's not really any doubt. I think everybody's aware that that um, there is an emissions impact, um, and yeah, I looked at I, I racked up this number of miles. I've actually been looking at the um, I, I was a, a I had a British Airways like loyalty. I was on a British Airways loyalty program, and and I racked up my three hundred thirteen miles between. Um, 2008 and 2019 so that's uh you know um 11 years so i can't i can't do the maths but it's um yeah it 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 was it was an awful lot of time it's 626 hours in the air it's um 1.3 times to the moon and and i think what what was interesting was i thought as an exercise um in you know in shame um i will go back and look at each of these um look at each of the years and look at where i flew to and kind of think okay like did i have to do that was was that necessary so um you know there are a number of places that i flew to like Boston. Um, I was working for a company that was headquartered in Boston, which you, which I suppose I could have got a boat to, um, <laughs> you know, with with a with obviously a tip to um, to Greta Thunberg. Um, yeah. There were places like Amsterdam. You know what? What's Amsterdam? An hour and a half on the train, if that. Mm. Um, Berlin, so if the world Edinburgh, normal. yeah, mm. like I, there, there are a huge number of, I, I, I'm, I haven't sort of gone into it in enough detail to be able to say, you know, it's fifty percent, it's this, that, and the other, but like there are so many flights here, which, which I didn't, which I, where I could have found an alternative means of transport, I could go a train, I could have driven, um, and. Uh, and I think that for me is the big is the big takeout, which is okay if you need to go if you really need to go to Boston um, or Sydney or Tokyo um, for you know for business, um, then there is no other way to get there. Um, if you need to go to Madrid um, or Budapest or Zurich um, or uh, Glasgow. Like there are at least two ways that you could get there, um, and they may take a bit longer. Um, 
they may even cost a bit more, but they will be much, much, much less harmful to the environment. And so yeah. um, I, I, I'm one of the things I'm actually going to do when I um, get around to, which is a bit geeky, is actually figure out what. So for that for that 313,000 miles flown, if I'd actually taken an alternative mode of transport, what would it be? Like, what would it come down to? Um, which Probably oh, look, I really look forward to seeing that spreadsheet, Luke. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so, there's, a, there's a big spreadsheet there. I might miss John's help, actually, in this one. But I'm genuinely curious. I'd be more than happy to help with that, especially, like, calculating not only what the carbon impact is, but also the time impact, because obviously, you know, flying from London to Edinburgh is, is about 45 minutes, but it's four and a half hours on the train. So it does. Yeah, it does four and a half you, hours and you can work on the train. It's kind of not that bad, is it? Oh, don't, well, it, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not implying it's, it's, uh, it's, it's anyway a, a non-feasible solution, but it is definitely a, something that I think in the past has really played a, massive impact on choice over transport uh, of flying or, or taking the train because um you know if you have a nine o'clock meeting somewhere you you either fly up early in the morning or you stay overnight the night before but luke was it all business travel your um your the, yeah, the vast majority, I would say 90% of it was business travel, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, in, um, today's, in today's world, we've, you know, we're all on Zoom meetings and no one's traveling. So yeah, you know, whether we, it but, be Tokyo or... Um, we, yeah, we are. But that, I mean, is that... Do you, we are that now. We are that, stay, yeah. Yeah, we are that... Yeah, we are that now because of COVID, but we certainly weren't um, before then. And so the interesting question is... Now that we've got from a from a from a purely sort of um, like new ways of working perspective, will people go? Actually, do you know what? I don't need to get on that flight to wherever because we've all worked out how to work with each other when we're all in different countries over Zoom, over Hangouts, over you know using video conferencing, and so actually we can cut down on the amount of business travel that we do anyway or will everybody be like um oh god I, you know thank god i won't have to do you know a single other zoom call and all be you know straight back on the planes i i think i know which one i would prefer to do but um having been zoomed out over the last couple of months it's kind of a inevitable that um that there is going to be a preference to move back to traveling but i think a lot of it has um, in even before the COVID and, and the pandemic situation, a lot of the the business uh, meetings were going online anyway, as video conferencing um, sort of became a bit more accessible yeah, to a certain cheaper degree. And more efficient, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's it doesn't it, it definitely doesn't detract from say the face to face meetings that you that you need to be there in person and um, you know sign off that. Um, that big contract, Luke, that you were probably. I've heard of this idea that people people get kind of an allocation of air miles, at, you know, maximum per year, or you know, there are ways. I suppose you could do it, prioritizing, you know, when you travel and how. I think. I mean, I again, I I look at a lot of. I mean, I, most of. I mean, a lot of them. To be honest, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was I was just looking. Uh, at 2019, which is obviously sort of quite fresh in the memory, and going okay, I <clears throat> um, I flew to 
I flew to Amsterdam um, and I was actually there for four or five days. Um, and again, and I could have got, could have and should have got a train, but you know, I was, um, I, I was there for a decent amount of time. And so maybe that is a, you know, a filter that you could use to figure out, you know, whether or not that was, that was a good use of, of, of air travel as it were. But then I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at a whole bunch of same day flights to, um, there's one to Glasgow, there's one to Zurich. We're literally one to Lisbon. We're literally, I flew in, I went to a, you know, went, did, did two to three hours of meeting meetings and flew out again. And, um, I think those, those are the, if we can get rid of those, that sort of business travel, I feel like that will actually cut a big, I think that'll cut a big chunk of it out, particularly if you look at, um, say, America, where, you know, there are people crisscrossing the states, you know, the whole time going from east to west and north to south and so forth. And, you know, it, obviously it's a huge, it's a huge country. Um, it's a huge nation. But if we can sort of cut out the one to two to three hour flights from business travel and replace them with video conferencing, then I I think, and again, this would be a good thing to look into, which is, you know, what's the percentage of, in terms of duration of business travel? I, I believe that that will cut a big chunk of, of air miles out of that, of that whole business travel ecosystem. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's definitely one, um, or the, the area to focus in on. If you've got to think about the sort of the, the long, um, the long haul is, something that you're not going to be able to 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 sort of find an alternative uh, a feasible alternative travel um mode of travel and then um the 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 zoom meetings would work but there's obviously going to be the the need to to be face to face from a from a business perspective and then there's the short haul side of things where there is an alternative so i was talking before about the the trips to edinburgh or, or domestic sort of um flights i think that I think that the world is it is open to staying at home for those elements because it's still by the time you've got to the airport, by the time you got on the plane and off off and to your destination, you're probably about two hours into your train journey on the way up to to Edinburgh or or, or, or wherever you're going. So, I think inevitably it, it will go that way. I think the people's mindsets, but I think it's it, it's. I'm great being that, reminded of uh, of the Terra Neutra mantra, which is awareness, reduction, and offsetting. So, if you're kind of aware of your business travel, your travel, and the impact it has, you make mindful choices to reduce it as much as possible. And then when you really can't, you can offset it. So I think that's quite a good application of that or mantra. <laughs> so um, yeah. So so John, um, two things. One is I vaguely remember reading in How Bad Are Bananas that the reason flights are so bad is because we are literally taking those gases right up to the kind of edge of the atmosphere and kind of delivering them there. Is that is that correct? Or is that do you? Um, well, I'm not going to. I'm not going you? to argue with um, with Mr. Berners Lee in, in how bad a bananas, but um, I I 
am um, well. I I am aware of the radiative forces of um, of the impact. So basically, the 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 higher the the release of that carbon, the the, the sort of the burnt um, the burnt fuel, etc., through the through exhaust fumes of of the airplanes, the the greater the impact it has on um on on the global warming potential of carbon so carbon has a global warming potential at, at atmospheric like at our level um sea level and then the higher you go it has a it has a greater global warming potential so yeah it is true that um that impact has um has a greater um a greater effect at, at those higher levels and uh, my other question was um, that you did talk the other day about the fact that you had kind of done some analysis and decided not to fly to, I think it was Switzerland, to see family. Do you want to tell us about those choices and what you ended up doing and how it was? Um, yeah, so it's, it was quite controversial at the time with the family because um, uh, with, a, with a family of of. of four with two two young children um the decision to sort of potentially take the train over a um over a a flight to zurich was quite um not perceived in the first instance as being a very (laughs) very good option um but yeah (laughs) well yeah family but family friendly carbon friendly (laughs) um Uh, but yeah, so I, I I did look at, into it a bit um, in terms of the options available. Um, obviously, I mentioned before around this in in some of the the, the previous sort of conversations that we've had around um, you know the the good life and actually the benefits of potentially sort of you know reducing re, uh, re, having a more sustainable way of life and actually sa- saving money through it and things like that. So I was uh, looking at it from an economic basis and a and a carbon basis and, and sort of weighing up the options. And um, I explored flying, which obviously would have taken a couple of hours um, over, uh, to Zurich. Um, the, the Taking our, our diesel car um, down to Zurich with a family of four and um, taking the train. And uh, we settled on the train side of things because I personally didn't fancy the, the driving as well because I think it actually worked out um that the the driving because we were traveling four of us it would have actually worked out um more effective even in 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 a diesel car than the 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 train travel um but we decided to take the train uh the four of us and it was on the weekend um or the or the week or two um long um strikes in paris so we had to change in paris oh, yeah and um and haul our luggage across but with no metro there as well so oh, um we gosh. we had to take a taxi at that point with all of our luggage but i have to say despite that it was so easy and you know like we sat there we were kids were sort of semi-entertained by the countryside a bit more entertained by some other gadgets that yeah we had. I mean I say I would say I've done it as well on the train down to the south of France where my kids were really little and I thought it was great because they didn't have to be strapped in and you know having a little boy who just wanted to run up and down the, the aisle you're allowed to do that on a train whereas you're not really allowed to do that on a plane I yeah. thought there was just more 
freedom of movement. Oh, definitely. I think uh, that was one of the the definite plus points around it. You could you could kind of just wander up and down, go to explore the buffet car and, and yeah. uh, the cafe there, and you know ultimately like not have to s- stop every five minutes when one child goes, oh, I need to stop, and then two minutes later, having got on the road again. Uh, I need to stop, you know, like, and so inevitably stopping five, five times every hour is not ideal on a, in a car. So, yeah, I mean, the benefits of traveling on the, on the train were really, really sort of came to light. And, um, and I mean, we've, we've done long road trips as well. So my fam, uh, my wife is Italian and she, um, obviously has family in, in Switzerland and in Italy. And we've spent quite a lot of time on the road, um, traveling to, to go and see them. And actually, you know, the, the, the road trips get easier and easier as the kids grow older. Um, initially when they were younger, it was very easy because it was kind of like they slept all the way, but, um, you know, now mm-hmm. more recently it's become, um, it's become easier again. And yeah, it's, it's still a, a sustainable alternative to, to flying, especially, you know, with those sort of radiated forces that I was talking about before in, in your question, your earlier question. <laughs> so John, just picking up on something that you said earlier, which is that you, you worked out that it was <clears throat> from a from a sort of an emissions perspective, it was better to take the car on a leg of the journey than the train. Like how for, for people who are sort of trying to trying to work that out for themselves and they're going, okay, we could, we could go, we could go on the train, we could go in the car. W- what's the best way for them to figure that out? Is there a rule of thumb? Is it, you know, is there a, you know, an easy kind of set of numbers that or an equation that you can apply? Um, it's not overly, simple because you've got to take um the emissions factors associated with each mode of transport and you've got to find those those emissions factors so um you know it it did take a little bit of um sort of searching around for the right one the sort of the the size of the car the the, the fuel type of the car the um the econ the the class of flying as well so i don't know whether luke you you know when your business travel you potentially at some of the time maybe on the longer haul i know some companies have policies around sort of if it's over six hours you can fly business class or or you know with a bit more legroom and then um and and that has an impact on the overall emissions of that mode of transport so um, you know, trying to find that and then um, t- putting into account the actual kilometre distance or the mileage distance between A to Z um, is required. So it's not it's not easy, um, but uh, there is the, the, the rule of thumb, which essentially travelling on your own, train travel will be better than, than car travel. If you're travelling in a group, um, I believe that car travel will be um, will be more sustainable. Um, but there are other factors obviously involved in the car travel. So a lot of the rail travel at the moment is electrified. So it's coming from renewable sources. So the essentially the emissions factor or the renewable energy that's associated with it will be zero. Uh, or the or the emissions associated with, with with it will be zero, 
great. And with a car, you're burning fossil fuels, and and at times, it's, it's particularly on my car, is diesel. So not not entirely the um, good fuel economy, but not great from a um, from an emission side of things. Um, and then obviously from uh, the the worst case scenario, but on a long haul or or where there is no a train or or, or sort of feasible road route, um, is is the is the flying. Mm. Um, I'm going to completely change the subject now um, because you also mentioned your um, biking um, biking days. Have you got back on your bike since it was stolen and returned to you or, or are you still waiting for it to come back? Um, I, so just to, just, I'm not sure if the audience know, but um, <laughs> I, I am a, an avid sort of bike cyclist commuter. I've been doing it for about 15 years or so since, since I sort of started working in London. Um, and just about a couple of weeks ago, I had my bike stolen from outside our house and, um, I thought, oh no, this is it. It's lost for good. But I, in the past, I've, as I said, 15 years of cycling, you lose a couple of bikes along the way. But, um, one, at one point I was able to, um, get, when I had a bike stolen, I was able to find it on Gumtree and, and get it back. But this was about 10, 15 years ago. And uh, this time round, I, I kept on checking. So two weeks after it was stolen, I found it online and, and sort of reported that information to the police. But to answer your um, question, Charlotte, when they when they managed to they managed to track down who who the phone number belonged to and they were able to raid the, the person's house and they found my bike um, matching up all the serial numbers and uh, all the features that I said. And I got it back from them the other day, but I'm still, I need to get a bike lock, a new bike lock before yeah. I take it out. Um, and obviously with the, the winter coming and the, and the fact that we've, we're going into another um, element of, of no commuting or no lockdown element it's uh, it's going to be sitting there for a little bit longer sadly yeah but I'm yeah. I mean like over over the moon that it's got it got returned um, yeah so. brilliant I'm so pleased for you um, we are surrounded by traffic works and um, there's been a massive um, cycle lane put um, on Chiswick High Road, which is near where I live. And the really annoying thing is that everyone is incredibly up in arms. And the problem is, is it's still not open. So you just can't tell whether it's going to be better or not. And, uh, you know, they've made it obviously a really hostile environment for cars, which is probably what we all need to stop us jumping in our cars at the first opportunity um but i just wish they'd finish it so we could actually see whether it's working or not i think you guys have got the same issue haven't you um yeah we've got we've had a few cycle lanes that have sort of been introduced and and um over at king's cross they've been putting in sort of temporary cycle lanes and they haven't really had to do much in terms of work so they must have been doing something quite big at chiswick yeah um, it's but. huge just lots of kind of bus gates and lots of new bollardy things so um yes but seemingly a lot taking a lot longer than really is required necessary yeah 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 um luke i don't even know do you have a bike uh i don't have a bike no i um i've just i i'm i'm trying to think of a of a good way to say this i actually find cycling quite scary (laughs) Um, I um, there's just an awful lot of opportunity to be to be damaged Um, and uh, I I don't know I I think it's one of those things where if I actually sort of just really got 
you know, got got my mind in the right place and I'm like, right, do this, I'd I'd probably enjoy it. Um, but I am yeah, I'm I'm just one of those people who sort of feels like maybe bicycles don't agree with them. Well, I think that that means we need to channel Holland more a bit, don't we? we oh, she says very ineloquently, we need to make it really cycle friendly so that everyone doesn't feels. I don't. Know, yeah, easy I mean, I, incapable to jump on a bike and get somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm probably the wrong. Like I'm probably too old to kind of, um, to to sort of change my mindset in the sense of 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 seeing cycle lanes or, or things like that and going, okay, there's no danger now because it's kind of quite entrenched. But I definitely think that, um, you know, you, um, you, you see a lot of the, uh, the way that cyclists and motorists, um, sort of, I don't know what the right word for it is, um, you know, uh, cohabit the roads and you're like, Oh, is, you know, how, like it just looks, you know, you like at traffic lights, you know, in the mornings, you know, you get the, this sort of large crowd of cyclists at the front and then everybody said, and you, you just look at it and go, how is it that we've just gone through that traffic light and, you know, none of those cyclists have been knocked over or roundabouts and we've all heard sort of horror stories there. So it, I, I think, yeah. you know, whether it's cycle lanes or... And um, the other thing we've yet to see is the kind of electric scooters and how they all settle in with the bikes and yeah. all of that. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Going to happen, isn't it? Um, so yes, yeah, so that was my little fun fact, wasn't it? That um, an electric scooter powered by a bur- uh, no, powered by you know renewable energy is more has a lower carbon footprint than somebody who's on a bike but is eating a burger, um, just because of the kind of sources of energy that's being put into it, which is what Mike Berners Lee put into his new. Um, uh, newly updated How Bad Are Bananas book which I thought was quite funny nice nice <laughs> it kind of has to it slightly does your head in doesn't it you have to look, really think about it because yeah. uh, we all know cycling is so good for us um, right does anyone have anything they want to add because that, that was kind of all my questions really not no, from me Charlotte nothing from me thanks for all the really tricky questions yeah. <laughs> no worries especially the uh, aeroplane radiated forces <laughs> brilliant I'll, I'll, I'll save up my next questions for the next one alright take care thanks for listening everyone bye thanks everyone bye thanks bye <laughs>